Pastor Seth and I have felt led of the Lord to do something we've never done before. And uh, I'm not going to stand on my head and gargle peanut butter or anything like that. Um, if I could, I might be, I might, I might be tempted. But we're going we're gonna to do a series of messages together this month starting today. And so we're going to tag team preach today. And we're going to be talking about family matters. Things that connect us. We're going to talk about vital connections between people and between people within this church, people within our families, people within generations, and people in our community. And so today we're going to talk about family connections. And what we're talking about is connections at your house, your living room, your kitchen, your table. We're going to talk about family matters with your biological nuclear family. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Seth to come get us started, and I'm going to wrap it up today. Let me tell you something. This guy is more than a youth pastor. He is a minister, an, an anointed minister, and a, and a leader that loves people. And I'm telling you, he's got something to say, and God's using him in a mighty way. And I want you to give him a hand, would you? Everyone needs a family, a hero to look up to. Someone who will set the standards. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4, uh, verses four through 9, uh, there's this scripture at the very beginning of the Bible where they make a massive stance and they say, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. How many of y'all remember I, I think it was a, fit, a chip company where they tie you tie a string on the on your finger to remember something, right? I don't do that anymore. Now we got Siri that keeps a reminder on your app, right, and and rings you in all the time and says, "Hey, you forgot something." Now I'm going to tell you something about myself that it's not going to make me look good. I forget something at least once or twice a week. My wife will ask me to take out the trash, right? She'll ask me to take out the trash, and she ends up having to ask me about three times. It's not good about time three, because I really didn't mean to forget, but what I've had to start doing is putting reminders in my phone that remind me as I hit the spot, because I'm like, I'm not going to fail her this time, right? It's good to remember things that matter, things that are important. And this statement in Hebrew that I just read to you, uh, the Lord is God, the Lord alone, and you must lo love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. It's called the Shema. Everybody say Shema. That felt good, didn't it? Right there, just right here. Okay, the Shema. Uh, and it is the fundamental statement of Israel's faith. It's kind of a big deal, right? In fact, Jesus describes these verses as the greatest of all the commandments, the Rabbi Hillel, before uh, Jesus was born, um, 
spoke of the Shema before Jesus is the central theological idea of the Hebrew Bible, calling it, uh, calling the rest just mere commentary on those two scriptures. So this is an important verse. And I think it's interesting that it says, remember, talk about it at home. Talk about it on the road. Write it on your forehead, which is something they would do in the Jewish thing. You're not going to do that, none of you. <laughs> but something they would do in the Jewish faith. Uh, put it on your doorpost. They wanted things to be remembered. And, being, and us having a Christian family is important. So if we want a strong family at home, then loving God and God alone with all of our heart, soul, and strength has got to spread through every aspect of who you are, your relationship with Him, your marriage, and your parenting. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Standards of our lives that create a strong family. Standards of our lives that create a strong family. The first thing that I think creates a strong family. Now listen, I want to tell you I don't have it all together. <laughs> I'm just learning. I've, I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a almost five-month-old. He just walked out. Almost five months old. And I, 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 there's day to day, and I tell pastor, can tell you, I come in, I'm struggling. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to do right. But these are some principles we try to live by in our house. Now, number one is authenticity. Authenticity. I want everybody to close your eyes and go somewhere with me in your head. Everybody go, go, go somewhere with me. I want you to imagine uh, how, that you've woken up on a Sunday morning and everything in your house seems to burn down. You intended on having a good attitude. You intended on being God to your family. You intended on having the right speech and everything is going wrong. Everything seems to be going wrong. Anybody been in one of these situations before? So now you're on the way. You're, you're on the way. The kids wouldn't do right and are fighting, the dog peed in the floor, laundry is piling up and you're overwhelmed, and you have strong words with your spouse or your children on the way. Nobody else has been there. You walk out the door and you're late. <laughs> you pull up to the church. You pull yourself together. You walk in the church and you put on a smile. When the greeters ask you how your day is, you say, you say what? Great, right? When eternally great is the farthest thing from your reality, right? None of y'all have ever been in this position before, right? If you've been in that position, say, yeah, put your hand up. Anybody? Anybody like things didn't go right for you? Uh, if it's going to go wrong, it happens on a Sunday or a Wednesday for me. I'm a pastor. It always happens then. If it goes wrong, and now it's not me fighting with my wife. It's me, and we don't. We're perfect. I'm just No. No, we don't in the car because I'm taking the kids. It's the kids screaming. And I'm like, come on, Josiah Judah. I'm just trying to get my life together here. But I wonder why we so desperately want everyone to see our lives always put together. Why do we try to be so perfect? Uh, and, and I'm not saying uh, we don't need to come in and complain about our lives. That's not what I'm saying. Because uh, that wouldn't be encouraging to anybody. But we have a world that doesn't just need to hear our, uh, our complaint list or how great that our life is. But they need to see that we struggle 
but we also have a Savior that helps us get through that struggle. Right? Let's, let's be honest. We're not perfect. We're very flawed. We wake up and we're flawed. Uh, I don't know a day in my life that went perfect, that I nailed every check mark in the box, that I, that I said perfectly every word that I should have said. If you have, you need to write a book and tell me about it. I want to purchase it. I want to learn from you. But see, our spouse, our kids, they honestly, this world, they need an authentic representation of Jesus. Does that mean perfection? No, that means, that means that I, I may struggle, but I'm attempting. That I may struggle, but I'm going to set the standard. I'm going to do the absolute best I can. Am I going to make mistakes? Yes. Am I going to fail miserably? Yes. I can't tell you how many nights that me and my wife sit up and I look at her and I feel like, man, I blew it today. Blew it with you, blew it with the kids, blew it. I can't believe I did that. I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm supposed to have my life together. But in all honesty, I'm intentional. Intentional. Standards of lives that create a strong family. Intentional. We don't, we don't have this moment every night where like angels come down or everything else, but I don't know if you know this. There is a Bible app that you can get. I say this almost every time I get up here, and I'm going to show you why in a minute. But there's a kid teaching lesson. They have children's pastors that will talk to your kids every single night. Every single night they put out something new. It's on the Bible app on the very bottom. It's called the kid's story. Me and my kids do that every night. Every night, it takes a whole five minutes. We respond, we listen to some incredible children's pastor from Hillsong or Life Church or people from all over the world, and they invest in my kid. I'm sitting right beside them, this spiritual moment, and we get to talk about a scripture or a verse every single night. I'm intentional. Didn't say that everything's going perfect or I don't have to take my kid to Go to the bathroom, get a cup. Anybody ever struggle to get your kids to bed some nights? It doesn't change that, but we're intentional. I noticed I started doing it with my middle son, Judah. And then my oldest son started asking me, Dad, will you do the Bible app with me? And I do. After he reads his school books, we sit there and we do it. And we comment. We'd... That, the Bible app has set you up to have a devotional life with your family and be successful. Um... But we quote scriptures when things go south in our lives. We try to quote scriptures. When my sons wake up from a nightmare, Dad, I'm scared. I said, son, God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. That's not God. Let's pray. That's how we respond. Dad, I'm sick. Well, God can heal you. Let's pray. Let's pray right now. It's not that I'm super spiritual. I'm not. You, if you ask my kids, it's not like that. But in the moment, we're choosing to respond to our kids, not in the moment, but how they are. See, we are intentional. Uh, see, we're trying, we're trying to turn our kids to Jesus as the answer to their struggles, because we don't have all the answers. We are, in, we are intentional by deciding to base our family around a biblical worldview, not a cultural worldview. Can I tell you what I think 90% of America's problem is right now? You ready? I'm going to back it up with stats. Ready? Do you know why I think our culture's going to hell in a handbasket most of the time? 
Why people can't figure out what their right hand from their left hand? Post that up there. That. This is how often Christians read their Bibles every week. Millennials, at least once a week, 9%. Baby boomers, 35%. Once, once or twice a month, 15% of millennials read their Bibles. Baby boomers, 31%. Several times a year, 12% millennials. 32% baby boomers. Seldom to never, 12%. Baby boomers, 36%. Here's the problem, church. If you never feed yourself the Bible, then every time the culture turns, you do. But if you're feeding yourself the Bible then when things come your way, that is the standard that your family lives by. There has never been a time in this world that they've made it easier than the Bible app. I don't like to read my Bible. That's fine. It'll read it for you. So what's your excuse now? It's boring. That's okay. They got a thousand plans on there going through anything you're going through in life. Any segment of your life, any struggle that you could go through, you can, find a, you can find a Bible study to go through. You can even do it with your friends. You can comment. You can have accountability. You have, like I said, you have a story to do with your kids. Even if you're doing that, you might be doing more than you were doing at all. But here's the problem with our culture. We based our, we based our decisions and we've let culture decide our lives and turn us and and we won't make stands because we're not spending time in the Word. It, the Bible is sharper than t- any two-edged sword cutting through bone and marrow. It is, it is the thing that'll cut through our hearts and expose things that need to be exposed. It's the thing that sets the standards in our lives, not because we can be legalistic and over the top, but to keep us from doing things that will destroy us and harm us. The problem is, if you don't read it, then when culture says, you're a mean person, you don't love us because of this, you don't this, you'll believe it. The Bible didn't say that. Well, you don't know because you haven't been reading the Bible. So then when you respond to your friends, you respond on a cultural side instead of a biblical side. That's a hard word, I'm sorry. (laughs) I didn't write this. This is Pew Research. That's insane. What's the problem with America? There it is. So you want to make a massive difference in your life? This isn't me convicting you. At least get the Bible app on your phone and do something with it. At least read the Bible to your family. At least read a script. You don't have to read chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter. Just read a verse. Start with that. Spend some time in the Word and let the Word start to dictate your life, your values, your decisions. My last point is this. Um, Standards of our lives that create a strong family. Direction versus perfection. This is important. I want you to hear this after what I said. As y'all are hearing me say this, you're probably thinking, man, he's got his life together, for which I immediately am reminded of the TV show Nanny 911. I don't know if y'all have ever seen that TV show, 
But what they do is there's this British nanny, right? And these families, they can't get their kids under control, so they bring this TV show in, and they put cameras everywhere so this British nanny can sit there and say, this is where you messed up. If y'all saw the cameras in my house, <laughs> if, you, if, you, uh, if you have one of those, uh, if you had those cameras, you got to be nanny nine one. This, this, you would uh, most definitely see our failures. You would see me blowing it. You would see me not doing right all the time. But you know what? And this has been really strong in my heart. There's a quote um, that has just wrecked me in the last few years. And it says, God's not so interested in my perfection because it's completely unattainable, but he is very interested in my direction. And what does that look like? Where am I going? Am I better than I was last week? I might have fallen, but did I get back up? I messed up, but did I get back up? I'm struggling, but am I going towards the goal? He's the goal. Am I spending more time with him last week than I did this week? Am I making better Christian decisions than I did in the past? God's interested in my direction. He's interested in me moving forward with him. See, with Christ, you will always have an opportunity to grow and become better. If you're intentional and serious about moving forward with Jesus, with your, with your family, with your kids, if you're willing to say you're sorry when you drop the ball and make a mistake, if you're willing to say to your spouse, I messed up, I, I lost my cool, I didn't do right. If you're willing to do those things, and you're moving forward, then your direction, it's not perfection, it's your direction is starting to move towards a God-centered life. My direction is trying to improve from day, uh, from day to day before my perfection is asking, uh, before per being perfect. Uh, forgiveness, I need to be asking for forgiveness to make things better. See, my direction is also making allowances. Listen for those who've hurt me and done me wrong. It's not just me forgiving somebody else. It's me, I mean, somebody else forgiving me when I drop the ball. It's also, and this is my last point before Pastor Gary takes the mic, it's also about you making an allowance for somebody else's failures, making an allowance for somebody else's inadequacies. Pastor Gary? Amen. Amen. I'm going to pick it up right there. Because here's the deal. None of us are perfect. Can I hear an amen? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I don't see your hand raised. Because some of you ain't saying anything. I'm not perfect. The reality is this. None of us will ever be perfect. Ever. But we can always be growing. We can always be improving. We can always be repenting. We can always be repairing. We can always be recovering. Amen? Amen. That's grace. So I thank God that just because I blow it doesn't mean it's the end. I can get up in the grace of God and grow. Amen. 
You know, I saw, I, I, we were shopping a little bit last night and I was in uh, Hobby Lobby. You know, they got all these cool sayings on these boards. And one of them says, whatever you're going through, grow through. Right? What you're going through, grow through. We all have choices to make, whether we're going to grow from our challenges, our failures, our struggles, or we're just going to get through them, or are we going to grow through them? The good news of the gospel is we can grow through them. And so we, everyone here, regardless of your family struggles, whether it's parent-child struggles, it's husband-wife struggles, whatever it is, daughter-in-law, mother-in-law struggles, you know, son-in-law, whatever, you know, struggles. We need to know there's grace and that we need to be going in the right direction, growing in the right direction. But here's where I want to take a turn. Those people that you feel like maybe are destroying your family, the same grace is available for them. It's one thing to say, well, I'm not perfect. I'm growing in the right direction. It's another thing to give the other people in your family that same benefit in your heart. In your heart. Because others are in process too. You say, but they ain't even cooperating with the process. I'm sorry, that's not your territory. That, that's them and God's territory, but your territory is to extend grace, right? Because they're in process too. Here's the way I've heard people say it. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Everybody that comes to the cross of Jesus is flawed. Everybody that comes to the cross of Jesus needs grace. Amen? That's not just us, but that's our family member that's driving us nuts. Here's the bottom line. We have to make allowances for other people's screw-ups if we want them to make allowances for ours. Because they're in process. It's not about perfection, but direction for them also. So which way are they stumbling? Toward repentance, forgiveness, patience, love, service, or away from it and away from Christ? And let me just say this. I am not saying that we have to put up with anything and everything. There's some people sitting in this room, you've experienced abuse. And I'm telling you, this does not mean you continue letting someone abuse you. Don't hear that out of what I'm saying. You need to get safe. You need to set up boundaries. Some of you, you've had somebody that's very close to you do you wrong. I'm telling you, that doesn't mean because you extend grace and admit they're in process that you trust them automatically. That's just not real. People earn trust. Amen? I am not saying we put down all boundaries and just let people walk on us. That's not the point here. The point is our heart. The point is our heart. Realize the people that have hurt you the worst are somewhere in a process. And they may be far from the cross right now. But Jesus is calling them closer. Jesus is after them. And I'll just say this. Are you willing to pray for them? Are you willing to pray for them?
how we handle other people's flaws makes the difference in family matters. Hear me. How I handle other people's flaws in my family makes all the difference in the world in how well that family will thrive. I'll say this, how I handle their flaws is just as important as how I handle my flaws. Amen? You want to see the maturity of somebody in your family? See they, how they handle other people's inconsistencies. Oh, it's getting tough now. Can I tell you, it's been tough on me. I've known what I was going to preach most of the week. And I'm like Pastor Seth. I look in the mirror and I go, man, this knife is cutting both ways. How we handle other people's differences or how we handle their flaws makes the difference. And it creates either family health or it creates family dysfunction. And it says more about us than it does them. The monkey is on everybody's back. According to Jesus, if I got a problem with somebody in my family, I try to talk to them about it. I go to them and try to repair the relationship, not win a fight. In the words of Sarah Henniger, when we, if I have to win, we all lose, right? Is, it, is that pretty much it? If I have to win, we all lose. If it comes to that, somebody's got to win, then we all lose. But when I'm dealing with other people, Jesus tells us, if I got a problem with my wife, I need to talk to my wife. If my wife's got a problem with me, I need to talk to my wife. You say, well, wait a minute. No, really, the monkey's on everybody's back both ways. We'll talk about this next week. It's true in church too. Jesus says, if my brother's got all against me, I go to him. Jesus says, if I got all against my brother, I go to him. You say, well, that's not fair. Yeah, it's fair because it's true for him too. Why? Because Jesus values relationships more than he values us being right and vindicated in our position. He values relationship. Whew. So here's the bottom line. Who will respond like Jesus? I'm just telling you, I have realized this. When we began studying this, Pastor Seth and I did together, I've realized this is the bottom line in every human relationship. Who will respond like Jesus? Whether that's a marriage, that's with children, that's with in-laws, that's with cousins, that's with church folks, that's with neighbors, whatever it always comes finally down to this. Who will respond like Jesus? You say, man, that'd get you killed. Yeah, it got him killed, didn't it? Who will respond like Jesus? That covers so much territory. By the way, Jesus is an initiator. He doesn't just wait. He comes after us. 
And if I really want a family that thrives with the goodness and the glory and the peace and the joy of God, if I want a family that thrives, I will not wait on my spouse or my children or my parents to go first. I will go first. And men, we want to be the head of the house and the Bible says we are, but one of the things that means is we go first. Well, she's the one that did that to me, you know. I get it. I get it. I've said it. I probably said it this week at least once. Can I read something to you? Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That includes your family. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And if you remember, even last Sunday, the one that read Scripture at the beginning reads the rest of that, and it goes about like this. I'm not, not a direct quote. Paraphrase. And Jesus, who even though He was God, didn't regard equality with God a thing to be jealously clutched or controlled, but He gave it up and He took the form of a man and He walked among us and He died for us. Even the most ignominious death a human being could die, death on the cross. He became a servant, it said. This is not easy, but it is amazingly simple. Will I treat my family members like Christ Jesus would treat them? Will I handle the conflict like He would handle it? Will I respond like He would respond? Will I initiate like He initiates? That really is the bottom line. He says, I just read it to you, do this. Regard other people's as more important than yourself and dwell together in unity and show each other kindness. In other words, do like Jesus would do, who went from the glories of heaven to being a servant washing Judas's feet. He didn't just wash the eleven's feet. He washed the man's feet who after that same hour would get up and walk out and sell him out. Renee, if you'd come to the piano, please, I'd appreciate it. The key in all human connections is basically what, what William read at the beginning of the service. Whoever's going to follow me, you want to have the attitude of Christ? Take up your cross. Deny yourself and follow me. For whoever seeks to preserve, to enhance, to, to defend, to promote his own life, will lose it. But whoever chooses to give, to serve, to lay down their life will end up discovering it in a whole new way. You say, well, that's about those missionaries, right? No, that's about you and your spouse. That's about you and your children. That's about you and your parents. That's about you and your in-laws. That's about that too. So they run all over me. They would run all over me. I just already, I, 
disclaimer, not saying let anybody run all over you. But I'm also saying don't make them enemy number one either. Start praying for them. Don't give kind for kind. Don't give tat for tat. Right? Oh, you did this to me, I'm going to do this to you. Oh, you won't do that for me, I won't do this for you. Let me tell you something. Anytime any, any family's in that place, you're in a bad place. Even worse if you're a Christian. And that's the way you're approaching your relationships, the most important relationships in your life. This is a hard, this is hard on me. I'm telling you, I know I blew this one this week. I remember my thoughts saying, what about me? When I should have been saying, what about you? I heard pastors, well-known pastors, saw a little video clip and the secret to their wonderful marriage was this, try to outserve each other. Now that doesn't, that doesn't fix everything, I get it. But I guess they had enough other together that that was the key. Just try to outserve each other. Now, sometimes there's there's situations that it's not quite that simple. I get it. We make choices every day to serve or be served. I make choices every day to serve or be served. Every day. You do too. And every time I choose to serve or be served, I'm either taking up my cross or I'm refusing my cross. You say, what does it mean to follow Jesus really? It means to have His attitude. It means to have His values and priorities. It means to say and do like, I want to be like Him. I want to do like Him. I want to respond like Him. I want to be strong like Him. I want to be wise like Him. But I also want to be kind and forgiving like Him. I want all of that. And that is not an easy walk to walk. But can I tell you, it is not some big mystery in the clouds. It's not, it doesn't require angelic visitations. All it requires is this. Every time I'm confronted with an opportunity to serve someone else's interest or serve mine, I choose theirs. That's taking up my cross. Say, but if I did that all the time, my wife would never do anything for me. I'd be, I'd be, oh, I'm sorry, but there comes a point and I'm preaching to me. I like to be served. Does anybody here, you don't like to be served? Anybody? Uh, anybody? I'm looking. I'm looking for hands. Anybody? You, you don't like being served. Okay, well, let's flip it around. Do you like to be served? Does that feel good? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Be honest. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying. Raise your hand. This ain't a good place to lie. Okay. I know Dell likes to be served. I've got that right. I like to be served. We're never more like Jesus, though, when we choose to serve someone else rather than serve ourselves. 
Not just when other people see us doing it either. This is why Jesus said, hey, when you give to the poor, don't, don't make a big fanfare out of it. When you fast, don't, you know, leave your makeup at home. And, you know, you guys, make sure you don't leave your makeup at home. Uh, anyway, moving right along. Pastor Seth said if we would just read the Bible every day in our homes, it would change so much. I'm telling you, the other thing that would change so much is if just, just the believers in our country would choose the cross every day. It would transform this nation. It would transform Christian families. It would transform the church. It would transform the community. If all of us just simply made a commitment to just pray, Holy Spirit, help me recognize when I have an opportunity to serve or be served and give me the compassion and desire to glorify your name so much that I'm willing to choose to serve them and serve you by serving them. That would solve a lot of problems. Will it solve abuse? Maybe not. Will it solve neglect? Maybe not. But I can tell you this. You're not going to solve any of those things either by refusing to serve. If you want Jesus all up in the middle of whatever it is you're going through as a family, the beginning point is to go to the Word, go to your knees, and at least start your service of those in your family by praying for them. Because it's hard to hate people you're praying blessings on. It's hard. It's hard to keep fighting with people you're praying with. It's hard to fight with people you're praying for. It's hard, and it should be hard, because the Spirit of Jesus is all up in that. You say, I just can't do it, Pastor. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm telling you, the beginning point is just pray for them. And God will begin to work. You know, we had a little class here with our, the people that are new here today. We had a little time in our, my office, and one of the things I told them, you know, was that um, we... Uh, we believe this is a house of prayer. And that's because prayer is the beginning point for just about anything God wants to do in or through or for us. Amen? So I'm going to stop. I don't have any cool illustrations. I got a story. I'm not going to tell it. Love carries a cross. Love carries a cross. Here's a prayer I wrote. I'm just going to read it to you. I'm not just preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to me. I by no means think I've achieved the pinnacle of loving like Jesus. Help me, Lord, to love like you love. Help me respond like you would respond. Help me initiate when no one else is trying to love like you. And when I fail, help me receive mercy and grace of your unfailing love. 
And when my loved ones fail me, help me to forgive and continue loving anyway. The only way I can do this is by the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill me, saturate me, change me, deliver me from selfishness, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. I want my family relationships to reflect your love and reality to those around me. I know this is your will. I know this is your will. In Jesus' name. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. We talked earlier about surrendering your life to Christ, worshiping Him with everything that you are and have and hope for. You know, if you're not a, if you've never surrendered to Christ to begin with, that's a tough, tough way to go. I want to give you an invitation. If there's people among us today, you have not really ever said to Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm doomed without a Savior. And you're it. I believe you're it. And I surrender to you today. I surrender my mistakes, my flaws, my worst moments. I surrender my future, my hopes, my dreams, my desire. I surrender it all to you. I put my entire being into your care and control and I say, you're it. You're what I long for. You're the key. You're the prime mover. You're my prime motivation. I'm putting you in that place and I'm saying to you, Jesus, I give you my life. Now I want your life to live inside me. I know that's a, a long prayer, but if you've not ever had that kind of interaction with God to the point that you know your sins were forgiven, you know that His eternal life came to dwell in you, and you became a different person. I'm not saying you became perfect. I'm saying you began to desire different things. You began to think different ways. You began to respond differently, that there was a true change in your life. None of that's ever happened to you, but you want it. I just want to see your hand. Anybody in the congregation today? Anybody sitting out here? I see one. Anybody else? I'm looking. I'm looking. Hey, all we're going to do is celebrate. You ain't got to be embarrassed. Jesus is life. And if you don't have Jesus, you ain't got life. You're a walking dead, man. You're a walking dead, man. Okay, this one young man, I want you to come pray with me after the service. But just in case there's somebody has joined us online, I want to pray this prayer. Father, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior, and I believe you're it. That you died for my sin, not just the world, my sin on that cross. And you rose from the dead. And Lord, you want to come and dwell inside me now, so I accept I say, forgive me. I turn away from my way. I turn to your way. I am not my own. You have bought me with your blood. I belong to you. Come live inside me and I give you myself. And I believe you're going to hear my prayer that I'm a new creature in Christ. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want to talk with you. 
If you're online, you can fill out a, a response form online there on our Facebook broadcast and we will contact you. We want to support you in your new journey. The one that raised their hand, I want to talk to you immediately after service and we're going to pray together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here's what I want to do. If you want the power and the will to begin praying for those in your family that you struggle with the most because you want to love them like Jesus loves them. You want to serve them instead of serving yourself. You just that's, that's where you want to go with your life. You may not be in conflict right now with anybody. Thank God for that. But you, you've heard what I've said and the Holy Spirit has said, that's where you need to grow. That's where you need to grow. You need to grow in picking up your cross. You need to grow in learning to serve instead of expect to be served. You want to grow there. Just stand with me right now. Come on. Stand with me. Stand with me. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. Just stand with me. It's between you and God. If that's not where you're at, don't stand. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's going to judge you because you know what? Standing is only valid if it's where you're really at. Some of you can stand and it's not where you're really at, but everybody around you stood, so I don't want to look like the one lone stick in the mud. Hey, we only want genuine responses to God. Amen? We want genuine responses. So you're free to fall out while, while we're all praying or you're free to sit back down. I don't care. But I know this is where Jesus is calling me. Would you lift your hands up to heaven just as a sign of surrender and say, Lord, I want to be like you. I want to love like you. I want to initiate love with my family like you would. I want to pray for my family with genuine concern and love. I want to pray for them as a beginning point to love them like you love them. I want wisdom on how to love them best. I want to know where the boundaries are I need to set. I want to know what it's going to take to repair damage I did. I want to know what it's going to do to help them repair the damage they did. Oh God, help us. We know your desire is for healthy, whole, healed families. Lord, help us start at the start. And that's an intention to love and serve like you. And take us from there with wisdom and courage, persistence and peace and faith for the future that you will use us that way. If you're near a family member, would you just take them by the hand or put your hand on their shoulder? Would you just, let's just practice right now. Father, bless my family, bless my spouse, bless my child, bless my friend, bless that one beside me. Help me love them like you love them. Help me obey that that, that scripture in Ephesians where Paul said that we're to love our spouse like our love, husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for them. Lord, you want all of us to love like Jesus loves. 
And so, Lord, we all take that tonight, today. And we ask you once more, help us love like you love. Help us love our spouse, our children, our parents, our cousins, our whoever it is. Help us love them. And determine we're going to serve them and we're going to start serving them by praying for them. Even though they may continue their destructive behavior. Help us in Jesus' name. Can you say amen?